0: But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. I'm
1: going to bring a lot of energy today. Uh, I'm going to bring a lot of passion. I'm going to probably blow your minds with how funny I'm going to be. Uh, And then suddenly I'm going to go super, super serious and low. It's going to be like a Scorsese movie. That's what's going to happen today. It's just incredible. Um, Or... We could have whatever the Holy Spirit wants. We could uh, surrender to his agenda and his plan. And uh, we could instead instead, experience maybe something we've never experienced before, which is a true peace about where God has us and what he wants to do with us. And I would exchange all those other things just for that. And I think it would just be incredible. So I'm going to pray. And then uh, I'm going to share with you some really neat stuff that, the God, the God, that I serve, the God that I love shared with me this week and how he's impacted me and I think it's going to be really special. So so thank you for being here but I hope God does whatever he wants to you. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. Lord, here in this place right now we are excited, we are willing, we are frustrated, we are unhappy, we are joy-filled, we are apathetic, we are upset, we are angry, we are worshipful, we are condemning, we are all the things that humanity is wrapped up in one, some of us more, some of us less. And the best part is, God, you receive every single bit of it. We are your church. We speak now, God, for, uh, for redemption and for the quality of transformation. And we ask, Lord, that you would use us and that you would speak to us and that you would convict us and that you would heal us and that we would not waste this opportunity to bring glory to you by submitting to whatever your will is and your agenda is, I ask God that today would be spiritual more than anything else and that it would leave an impact on every single heart in this room. And I praise you that that's exactly what you're going to do. Thank you, Father. We give this time to you now. And to all of God's people said, amen. 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 Uh, I'm excited to be here, as I said. Uh, We are in the third Uh, talk within our series called Chorus. And the idea behind Chorus was uh, that we would look at all of the different um, uh, songs sang by people as precursors to Jesus in the book of Luke. And so there's four specific songs in the book of Luke. Some people call them like the first Christmas carols that sing, point, and direct our hearts to look towards the coming Messiah that we all celebrate every year On Christmas morning. And so, if you have a Bible, I want to start with some context in Luke chapter 2. And the context of this is pretty straightforward. It's basically uh, the context by which most of us are thinking when we think about the Christmas story, and that is the story of Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary and Joseph were a very young couple, as we shared last week. They were a young couple that. Uh, God was deciding to use in a powerful way. And so he went to Mary, as we shared, and he said, I'm going to use you to do this incredible thing. And even though you're a virgin, you're going to have a child. And he went to Joseph and said, you're going to be a father to this child, and you're going to accept Mary, and we're going to do an incredible thing inside this story. And Mary and Joseph wrestled with this reality where they had discussions with each other and then eventually discussions with other people, and yet they knew that this is what God wanted, so they accepted it as the truth. And then suddenly towards the latter part of uh, Mary's third term of her pregnancy, a decree went out throughout the land that said that everybody was going to be required to take part in a census. They were going to be required by Caesar at the time to be counted. And so they had to go to their town of origin, their town from which their city, their, their people, right, their original family came from. And the timing of this was really unfortunate for Mary and Joseph because they're like, well, we're like going to have a baby soon. And And apparently the people issuing the decree were like, we don't care. See you there. And so that's where it picks up right here, chapter 2, verse 1 of Luke. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because... He was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 80 miles and would take about seven days to complete on foot or riding a donkey. And because of the census, once they arrived there, there was absolutely no room no place for them to go in the inn. And of course, as we know, because we have these porcelain figures all throughout our house, they ended up having a child in a manger and laying him in the feeding trough made for animals. Now, here's what's really important about this story before we move further into the shepherds and the song that we're going to talk about today, which is the angel song that they heard pouring forth from the sky when Jesus was actually born. This is, this is a really important um, contextualization of this, of this scripture, I think, for a lot of our own personal lives. Now, God came to Mary and Joseph, and unlike probably many in this room, he gave them a calling. Now, I feel like I have a calling from God. I feel it. I have since I was a pretty young person that God wanted to use my life to do what I do now. And that has steered many of my decisions, that calling from God. But I had no glowing angel show up in my bedroom, I want to be clear. And then I had no glowing angel show up in my wife's bedroom, I want to be clear, that then confirmed for me, my calling, or her calling, or our calling together, I didn't have that kind of assurance of my purpose. Mary and Joseph did, and you might think that must have been so peace-filled, like you would know your purpose in life. You would know exactly why you were here. You were here to raise this child who'd be the savior of the world. I just wish I could find my purpose. Well, then I want you to imagine this This context, and I'll imagine it from a father's standpoint. Those of you in the room who are women, you imagine it from a a woman's standpoint. The rest of us uh, guys, you can hang with me in this, but God has given me this calling, and my calling is to take care of this woman who's going to give birth to the Messiah that I then have to father as best I can. It's a fairly significant responsibility. It's not probably unlike, you know, coaching your son in t-ball, but maybe different, maybe. You're responsible. Got to make sure all the gear is there. Got to show up, deal with other parents. He's the Messiah, Savior of the world. Make sure nobody goes to hell. It's sort of the same. Not really. (laughs) But he felt that pressure for certain, right? He makes plans. I guarantee it. He makes plans where we're going to have this child. We're going to look at our friends. Let's look at, uh, let's look at Susie. How do you guys have your kid? Oh, we went to my mom's house. We traveled about three months early before I got just, you know, to plan ahead. And we, my mom had this room, and my dad was there. Oh, my gosh, it was so good. It was like modern-day Facebook back then. You talk to everybody, and you look at everybody's baby's rooms, and you make plans for your own. And then the census comes. And you're like, this is really messing up my plans. And the first thought I would have had as a dad is, you know, if God was like the coordinator of all things, If God was like the one who orchestrated the chorus of the universe, sure seems like he would have like bestowed upon my wife this pregnancy a little better timing than when the census specifically required we had to travel to this other city where there would be no room because everybody was traveling. Like how about this? Let's have the baby not be due for three weeks. How about that? How about we have the baby come just a little bit early? How about this? Show up later and get her pregnant. How about anything other than this perfectly timed catastrophe that I'm anointed to be and have? How many times in your life have God said, hey, I have a calling for you? And you're like, I know I should do this. And then you look around and you're like, but this is not the time. This is definitely not the time. I cannot, this cannot be what God wants. This is way more difficult than than, than should be. I mean, I could have planned better than this. and I'm not God. So this can clearly not be the time, and how many times then have you missed your opportunity to go and actually fulfill the things God wants you to accomplish? Here's the reality that Joseph probably didn't realize till the shepherds came and talked to him, and that is, there was no way, no matter how good a dad Joseph was, no matter how good a mom Mary was, there was no way that the manger was avoided. None. Jesus was always heading to the manger. Joseph knocked on doors, I'm sure. Hey, listen. I know there's rooms in this house for rent. I know that people are coming in and out. Please let my wife and I in. She's pregnant. And the the guy in the house could have looked at her and wanted to. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Here's the thing. No. Why not? There's a room right there. There is a room right there. Super comfortable. Really warm. Just put brand new bed sheets on it. Absolutely not. You can't have it. I've got some dirty straw out behind. Why am I saying that? Why are you saying that? She's pregnant on a donkey, bro. Yeah, that's that's rough. Let me get my wife. I might not be thinking about this well. His wife comes down. What's going on? This lady's really pregnant, and she's like on a donkey, and there's no room for anyone to stay in the house. Yeah, there is. There's two new rooms. I know, right? The ones with the new linen. Right. They should stay there, right? Absolutely not. No, you can't. You can't stay there. Why? I, I don't know. But we, did you tell him about the manger that we have, though? Because you just built that. I realize, you know, Sally the goat's been eating out of it. But it, Sally's clean. She's young. You should use it. And there's no way that any situation would have kept him from that manger. None. He was always going to end up there. So many times in your life, in my life, we are people who are kept from these experiences in our life because we don't see it, and we see an innkeeper saying no as an answer to whether we're called or not. What does the innkeeper have to do with anything in your life? It's like a, like a, like a, a dislike or a frowny face online or someone making a comment, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I shouldn't do that. What? What? God built you to do this, and he's going to get you there. He's going to get me there. I've wrestled all week with this thought. We're doing this Main Street campus downtown, right? And this thing is awesomely difficult. Now, the funds have been awesome that everybody has brought in. People are continuing to give. They're being consistent. The prayer's been awesome. But getting permits is so unbelievably difficult that for me, I don't understand, because I keep wanting to say in all the meetings, haven't you heard about the miracle of Main Street? Like, they gave us the church. Right For free, like we have a congregation and we're too big and for here and we need to remodel that and, and, and we have the funds and we're out of debt and we don't miss our bills and it's like a miracle, right? Sure is, four months for permits. That is not miraculous in any way whatsoever. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you can start to think, maybe we didn't think this through. Maybe we didn't think this through. As the innkeeper says, sorry, I, this is how things work around here. And I'm like, but what are we going to do? Like, there's only so much momentum, and then you, what do you do? Keep telling people, like, hey, <laughs> it's the fullest extent of my vision right now. Hey, what are you doing with the building? Eh. I mean, I'm excited, and I know it's happening, but, you know, there was a, there was a leak early on of us getting in by Easter. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh. oh, Easter. <laughs> like, like, that was, was a big cosmic joke. That's like Mary Joseph saying, you can have your baby here or in that trough by that pig. Like, uh, yeah, all right. I mean, it's, it's just where we're at. And it's exciting, and it's good, and it's context. It's context for what I want to talk about today, which is a decision for you and a decision for me to choose to believe that God's going to do what God's going to do with exactly what we are. Not in just what we have. Okay, not just what we have. This isn't a loaves and fishes sermon. Okay, it's another one, and it's super good. But not that one. This is who we are Because sometimes all you have is your stuff, your difficult, beautiful, broken, yeah, stuff. This is what we have, and that's exactly what God did. For a while, there were people dealing with this, Mary and Joseph, trying to find a room and getting ready to have a baby. There were another group of men, and these men lived out in the fields all around Bethlehem. Okay, Bethlehem was a very fertile place. It was actually known as the breadbasket, which is interesting because Jesus was the bread of life, born in Bethlehem, which was the bread basket, right? But these, these shepherds, uh, during the off-season, would take their, their uh, sheep out into the fields, right, to, uh, to uh, sift through whatever was left of the harvest. And that's what, where these men were, and they were working till nighttime. And at nighttime, they would put their sheep down, and they would start a fire, and they would have a discussion about everyday average stuff. They would talk about work, they would talk about politics, they would talk about the city and what was going on, good or bad. They would talk about that one shepherd who's new and got up, and they were like, yeah, I don't think he's really good at shepherding, do you? No, he's not pulling his weight at all. You see what he did to that one sheep? They'd talk about that one sheep, the one that's crazy and never listens. Right? What are we going to do with him? He's just ridiculous. He looks at me weird. Every time I talk to him, he's like, I can tell something's not right. They would have normal average talks. And in the midst of that normal average talk, suddenly... Something happened. Chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So they were huddled down. They were having this campfire experience. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I want you to pull something out of this for yourself before you just move on to the next portion of the story. You've really got to sit inside this little bit of a prelude now that you have some context. God is using Mary and Joseph to bring glory to himself by, frankly, fulfilling prophecy, okay? He's fulfilling prophecy uh, in Micah 5.2 is the prophecy that they are experiencing right now. And it says, but you, O Bethlehem, of Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Who's coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Joseph doesn't know that. Mary doesn't know that. The, the The stable's unavoidable, but God does. He's they're fulfilling a prophecy. These shepherds now are on the outskirts of that prophecy while it's happening, doing their average everyday thing in life, and boom, God shows up. And there's an angel in the sky, and there's shepherds saying, what is happening? And the angel begins to share with them. We know a few different things. We know that however the angel appeared, it wasn't subtle. Because his first response is basically, stop being afraid, get up off the ground, everything's going to be okay. Which means his first thing he did probably was just bust out, like, you know, like those explosions in space? Like, right? That's what I imagine. You imagine whatever you want, but mine's way better. Right? Those really quiet ones. And then it's just light in a ring. It was something that he like, he rolled in. And these guys were like, oh, and they hit the ground and they're afraid. And he says, hey, hey, stop, stop, stop. I want to share something with you. And then he shares this good news. Now here's the best part of this. And and again, this is that I want you to take this for yourself. These men, these average men living average lives, working an average job, having average conversation, were doing nothing but being average when the angel showed up. They weren't prostrate on the ground. They weren't weren't tithing, you know, to to a local church more than anyone else. They weren't the tithing shepherds. Everybody knows it's the tithing shepherds. They give 10% of everything they have to the local church. They weren't taking communion right at that moment or sitting around the fire, uh, uh, you know, praying that God would show them when the Messiah would come. It doesn't say anything about that. It says they were tending sheep, which is what they do. It's like shepherd. It's in their name. If you're a mechanic, you'd be mechaniking. <laughs> if you're a plumber, you'd be plumbing. Right, If you're a, a pastor, you'd be preaching. Whatever you are, you're doing, and boom, God shows up without any effort, without any explanation, without any like, like big spiritual religious thing that brought God to them of all the people on the planet. Now, this is important because so many of you in the room think about this in reverse, where you think that until you get to a place where you can do something really spiritual or have a spiritual experience or quit a certain habit or break free from a specific addiction, basically just stop being an average human, that that's when God's going to show up. And it's just not true. It's not like biblically true. Over and over and over, we can find groups of people that God showed up to that weren't asking God to show up. And he starts off with making them afraid. He just doesn't quietly show up. You realize this, this is an angel. This is sent by God. He could have just like, like phased in next to the campfire, he could have made it so their eyes didn't even recognize that he was different than the rest of them. He could have been hired on three weeks earlier and just said, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm an angel. And I didn't appreciate when you guys talked about me and said I wasn't very good at shepherding. I'm an angel, and, I'm <laughs> and I don't appreciate that kind of language. But anyways, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the point is, he chose to show up in a very specific way. And he, he brings their hearts to a place where they're focused, they're paying attention. But the thing ma- that matters so much before we move past that is that they were average people living average lives. They were us. See, Mary and Joseph were prophesied about. They were anointed. They were, this, they were this really, you know, also average people, but they had all kinds of foreknowledge about what God was doing. These were just average people like you right now that got pulled into a church service and don't even know why you're here. <laughs> And that's why my prayer earlier was, I hope God just goes in your life. I hope he marks you. I hope he tears you. I hope he scares you. I hope he heals you and fills you with hope and changes you from the inside out. I hope he knocks you down and then lifts you back up. I hope you experience something different than this average world and this average life, but I hope you don't think it's because you're something more than average. (laughs) Because in that place, in that place alone, God brings glory fully to himself. And we don't start having all these shepherd religions doing whatever it was Scripture would have said they did. Because I guarantee if it would have said they were eating oats on the third day, right, and it was exactly at sundown that the angel showed up, we'd have a bunch of churches that ate oats every third day and worshiped when the sun went down. And that's not what happened here. If you want to reenact this, go to work. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm living the gospel. <laughs> yeah, Go to work. And expect God to show up and do something powerful. That's a message right there. Somebody write that down. I'll preach that later. (laughs) The shepherds show up. The angels show up. The men are afraid. And then suddenly the angel shares with them how they will find the Savior that he's talking about. Verse 12, same chapter. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, and this was their song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. Now, if you think that the angel showing up was powerful and scary, can you imagine behind him just angels just emanating 360 degrees of song and light and and? and just emanating God's glory from horizon to horizon in every single direction. If the men weren't on the ground when the first angel came to, I guarantee they were on the ground on top of each other begging for it to stop. I like to imagine two of them really close to each other with the light sort of shining in so you could see their eyes looking at the other one. By this time knowing that they're not afraid, but still a little afraid, but also really excited, and saying to one another, this is happening. Like that's what I like to see. I think at this point, God is purely expressing his excitement, his passion, and his love for us, and he includes relationship in it. And so the angels that have been for all eternity with Christ in heaven are now with us on earth, proclaiming the glory of God for the child that perhaps was born in that manger, in that stable, right at that moment. Maybe. And those shepherds... In the midst of that feeling, with their hearts beating fast, looking at each other, perhaps their eyes closed, suddenly recognize that everything has went black. For as fast as the angels came, they left. It's at this point that the shepherds have a choice to make. It's the t- title of today's sermon, actually, A Shepherd's Choice. They have a choice to make with what they've seen, with this calling that they've been been given and that choice can go multiple different ways the first thing they can do is be logical about it and look at the landscape say first off we've been out here for days and gary brought weird stuff to drink so i don't even know if what happened really did happen (laughs) you don't know right we don't know gary's brought weird stuff to drink before gary's over in the corner with his weird stuff not true dude that happened that happened right (laughs) They could be logical and look at the landscape from a cultural standpoint and say everybody is coming into town. There's no room in town. How are we ever going to find this kid? On top of that, there's Roman soldiers everywhere making sure the decree is obeyed. The last thing I think we should do is walk into town and tell everybody we're pretty sure a host of angels just said a new king is born. You know that guy was there. Like logically saying, like, I don't want to die tonight. Like I already thought I was going to die when the first glowy man showed up. And then there was a million glowy men. And now you want me to go into town and like with people with swords and be like, hey, what's up, bro? Did you hear about the new king? Like, I don't think that makes sense. But you know, eventually, I believe the Spirit of God and the reality that he used these average people brought them to an unaverage decision, and that was to go, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They went straight there. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. These shepherds were left alone with a choice, and they made it. In spite of the fear, they made it. There's a third part of the story. If you think of Zechariah, he also was left alone with a choice and he decided to bring glory to God. If you think of Mary, she was left alone with a choice and decided to bring glory to God. You think of Joseph, he was left alone with a choice and decided to bring glory to God. These shepherds were left alone with a choice and decided to bring glory to God and did it with haste. Meaning they left their their sheep, they left their stuff and they moved straight into town. And they searched and they looked. And could you imagine looking only in the mangers, only in the inns that had stables? Like, that's all you're doing. You're just shepherds looking in stables for a baby. Like, I, like we think they just walk straight there. Like, oh, there it is. Like, they had to have knocked and said, is there a baby in here? No, there's cows. Who would allow a baby to be born in here? I know, right? And you hear across the way the innkeeper and his wife, it was us. It was us. We don't know what happened. They're out in our manger. They're out in our stable. They go out in the stable, and here's this Young man and this young woman, scared to death, still wondering if what happened to them really happened. And here's these average shepherds who walk in, smelling like sheep and like land and like good old-fashioned work. And they say, we're here to tell you that that is the child you think it is. He is the Messiah. He is the one who will save us all. And then this part happens, and I, I don't know how this stuff isn't, like, like, more people don't highlight these kind of things. But don't you think if you were a shepherd and had that experience, you'd ask to hold the baby? I would. Like smelling like sheep with like my farmer hands, right? Like, can I, can I hold the baby? And you know Mary's like, God sent you. You can, yeah, absolutely, here you go. You imagine each shepherd, what that would have been like to sit on his knees in that stable, lighters around, you know, candlelight around, and he's holding the baby with his, with his, with his hands that are well-worked, with his, with his well-worn face, and tears are streaming down into his beard as he is handed the Messiah, Savior of the world. Have you ever considered that shepherds are really, really, really good at holding tiny, little, fragile things? That the lamb of the world should have been handed, perhaps, to a shepherd first? (laughs) Have you ever considered that? That God sent shepherds to bring forth the lamb of the world and hold him? These were not... These were expert hands. There's not a pair of hands better in the world than a shepherd's hands at holding the lamb. Isn't our God beautiful how he ties stuff together? Isn't our God incredible how he weaves and wastes nothing? Do you see yet that God has been weaving and wasting nothing in your life? Do you see yet that if you're called to be a, a plumber, but you're functioning as a pastor, then you've missed your calling? If you've called to be a shepherd, but you're walking around like Caesar, then you've missed your calling, that God has built you to do something that only you do, that he's built you with the hands you have and the hearts you've had and the conversations and places and relationships you've had, and he is asking you to be his, to walk with him, to be made whole by him, that all he wants to do is place the love of the Messiah in your arms? Have you seen this yet? That's what this is about. That's why we do this. God wants to use you. He wants to complete you. He wants to make you more. Perhaps the best part of this whole story is those closing verses, verse 17, and when they saw it, When they saw him, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds, listen to this, returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They were never, ever the same. They were transformed forever. Still shepherds. They didn't become kings or emperors. They went right back to work because those are the people that God uses to bring glory to him it is so rarely people on a stage that I think bring true glory to God because some of that glory can spill onto those people and if they're not careful they can forget that and it can change them and then they can begin to to steer things towards things that are not of the Lord's agenda but it is people that are living outside the lights, that are doing what God has for them, that are experiencing the transformation of his love. And the thing that keeps most of those people from experiencing it is a thought that they think they have to get on a stage under lights, that they have to fix things in their life to be used. It's just not true. How many times can I say it? The Bible is full of God doing what God wants to do with who God wants to do it. And who he wants to do it with is you. So stop being in his way. Stop trying to get cleaned up and trim that beard and wash those hands. God, I smell like sheep. I can't go to the church today. I can't go meet the Messiah today. I still reek like alcohol from last night. Good. Good. How much does God have to do in your life to keep you from the thing that's damaging you and pulling you toward him? My year old little girl for a season wanted nothing more than to touch the propane fireplace in our house that had a glass front. It's all she wanted to do with every single step she took. And many, many times she got close. One time she was the closest, so I'll never forget it. I was on the couch... She was over that way. I wasn't paying attention. She started toddling towards the fireplace, and I realized there was no way I was going to make it there in time. And so a foot, maybe six inches before she made it, I remember just leaping off the couch, clapping my hands and yelling, hey. And she got so afraid, she turned to me, and like, like, this, like I hurt her feelings. And she crumpled into a ball, and I picked her up. And you know when they're so hurt that you pick them up and they just stay in a ball? Do you know that cry, right? They're so hurt, their little legs and their onesies, they just stay in that little ball. And I picked her up, right, and I held her, and I knew that I had hurt her feelings because I had made her afraid. But what I, my heart was to keep her from the thing that's damaging you. Today, I hope, is fearful for some of you to keep you from the thing that's damaging and not fearful because God is going to harm you fearful that God is going to is, is is that you are not going to hear from God that he has more purpose than the glowy light of the world and all that it promises God wants you to be transformed, but it's going to take you getting a heart check from him. It's going to take you making a shepherd's choice to do with that heart check whatever brings the most glory to him. And it's going to take a willingness on your part to live that out, even if, like Mary and Joseph, it doesn't go how you thought. You got a baby room, and you got all the paint, and you're ready to roll, and you end up having babies in the bushes. And you're like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Nope. But God's going to use it. Because, my friends, he doesn't waste anything. I wanted to drive this home, and I wanted people to leave here with a visual. And so uh, inside of our red envelope uh, giving, which is something we do every single year, we've done it since the beginning of the church, where we give away one of the biggest offerings of the year to remind us as Kesed that we are not the church, we are a church, and there's a bigger kingdom than just us. We did this our very first year of existence, and I thought it about ended our church because it was such a huge offering. It's the biggest offering at the time we'd ever collected, and we gave it all away. But it reminded us that God is our provider, that He is the one, that things aren't always going to go how we think. And so this year, the red envelope that we're going to be giving to in here in just a moment is Open House Ministries. They're the same folks we gave last year. But this year is is pretty special and unique because the director, uh, Wayne, from last year is not the director this year. There's a new director this year. Both of those folks go to our church. And the director this year is Renee Stevens. And Renee is going to come up not just to explain for a moment what Open House is, but also to explain a little bit of her story, her shepherd's choice, and why it is that God... She believes as well that God wastes nothing in her life. So would you give Renee a hand? Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, third service, almost there. Yeah. Best one yet. Yeah. Is it the best one? So far. Oh, okay. Well, don't (laughs) let us down then. Let's make what you say really good, okay? Uh, (laughs) uh, She's been doing amazing. So she spoke at the other two services we have. And uh, so, Renee, let's start off with um, just a synopsis of what Open House is for folks that don't know. Um, it's downtown, right actually just down the road from our Main Street building where we're going to be moving. Yep. Um, and kind of share with us what it's about and what it accomplishes. Yeah, so
0: we're located downtown on 12th Street, and we are in a 60-second in a or 60-word. We are a, family, a faith-based family shelter, um, and we believe uh, that teaching the gospel to families is what's going to end homelessness in Clark County.
1: And about how many, um, how many rooms do you guys have down there right now?
0: So right now we have 31 rooms, and that uh, totals 107 individuals, over half being children under the age of
1: 18. Okay, and they live there? They all live there. They live there. Okay, live so you there. guys feed, help, clothe, all that, everything that a family needs Absolutely. is there. Okay. And uh, you have a new building project off to the side. It's a huge building. I got to tour this earlier this week. I don't know if you saw, but they put me in a cowboy hard hat, and I looked fantastic. I was, <laughs> I was surprised as well, but. Instagram. Uh, <coughs> uh, yeah, t- talk about the new, the right, new building. Right, so we
0: are, we are in the middle of a $3.35 million capital campaign, um, and the building's about halfway done. Um, this is gonna allow for all of our um, offices to go over to that building. It's gonna be a safe place for the children to play, and it's gonna allow the, the actual shelter to add six rooms, which will total about 24 individuals um, to the shelter. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, no math. It's amazing. No, it's a, no, no, no. It's amazing. So, so, that said, this offering that we're going to take is going to go directly to you guys. Again, not a dollar of it is, is pulled for I- anything else. Everything you give will go directly to these guys. Tell me the, the three ways we can help. I know one of them is financially, but what are the other two? Right.
0: So, the first way is prayer um, and just the giving of your hearts, coming down to volunteer. Um, hanging out with residents, holding babies, uh, putting away donations. There's all different ways that you can come down and help in that way. Also, number two, I would say uh, just giving of, of items. So if you have clothing or uh, toiletry items... Uh, Laundry baskets, dishes, things like that. That helps to um, put things into the studio apartments that the residents move into. And then the third um, is financial support. We could not do what we do without financial support. We take no federal or state funding, which Mm -hmm. allows us to talk about um, the love of Jesus Christ in each and every classroom with our folks. So
1: So along with this offering, the one thing you mentioned is having people come down tour, uh, check it out. There's, there's lots of labor that's needed and given from the community that we, as a church, will continue to partner with Open House for years. They're right down the road from where we're going, and, uh, and a lot of them attend here, as I said, which is awesome, so we have a lot of insight into what they're doing and help from them on where we can be effective. So you'll see more and more of that, but there's also your ability to reach out on your own to Open House and, uh, and be willing to volunteer and connect, but it's a, it's a really powerful, powerful ministry doing a powerful thing. So before we take the offering, um, so Renee, you know today I talked about this idea of a shepherd's choice and this idea of um, being as you are where you are and willing and allowing God to kind of walk you from that place. You shared with me during the tour that uh, there was a woman you met with that uh, was sharing with you some of her story and you had this like aha moment where God kind of, yeah, kind of hey yeah and so why don't you share with us about that i
0: will so um so really being here today isn't about being the executive director of open house ministries it's it's more about how i got to where i got and it was about that moment when god you know did that several times in my life but um i was a case manager and i had a gal in my office who was speaking about her family being divorced Uh, she'd come from domestic violence um she was addicted to drugs, uh, her kids were in CPS care, and she just began to, wet, to weep in my office and just wondering what her next step was gonna be and how, how in the world was she gonna get through this. And I looked at her and I said, it's, you know, it's gonna be okay, and I, I get it, I get it. And she said, how would somebody like you get it? And to me, that was the clap, because in 1999, I was homeless with my daughters. I was drug addicted. I came from a divorced family, very dysfunctional. I didn't know what a good relationship looked like. And often during those times in my life, I would always ask God, like, why? Why am I going through this? Why do you work in everybody else's life and not mine? Mm. Um, so to me, it was that, that moment when God answered my whys and he said, I, you know, I have you for just as, such a time as this uh, so that I can get back what um, I was so freely given.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you were... You actually came to open house and were in and out of the program. Did you say three times? Mm-hmm. Okay, so at you, least. yeah, we sh- like we shared like there's like yes. four rooms there that you lived in at one point.
0: <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you know you, you get this, and you, <laughs> um, and I was just kind of one of those people where I would hear God's voice, and then I thought, okay, I'm good, I can do this on my own. And by the fourth time, I I think I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Still figuring it out. Yeah.
1: So so again, this is a woman who. Was homeless. This is a woman who came up through the program who is now the executive director. So for for contrast, so she was homeless in 1999, and now this year she's leading a three-point some odd million-dollar building program. With God's help. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so so the, the idea is very simple, and the offering is... is it's gonna be wonderful and we're gonna take it and again we're gonna close in just a moment with prayer and some worship, but but I don't want you to leave with, with only that. I want you to leave with this picture and I hope this picture in here of God using your story and your way of doing life your way and transforming it. And taking it and and making it something completely different. Not wasting it. Not suddenly changing her name and her face. And suddenly she speaks another language and is in another country. And suddenly she's no longer a shepherd. She's always going to be a shepherd. She's always going to have the experiences she had like I am and like you are. But what's different is that God is using her and her story, and so many people at Open House, not just her. If you get a chance, there's lots and lots and lots of Renees down there, I hope. There's lots and lots and lots of experiences in this room that God wants to use, like he is in my life, in your life, in her life, and he's using it to bring glory to himself, to tie together these, these little pieces of your life that you think hardly matter or are better yet forgotten. And God is saying, no, I'm going to use that so you can impact other people who already feel forgotten. And you're going to remind them of me and you're going to show them me and you're going to receive the Messiah and you're going to hold him exactly as you are. Guys, all you have to be is as you are. All I am is as I am. And it is broken and it's got some messed up stuff in it. Renee. Is-
0: it does, I took a car ride with him. Some <laughs> couple
1: times. It wasn't that bad it you know, <laughs> oh that's good so <laughs> but what's important what's important is that we understand God is transforming us and he's using us and we get to be a part of it as his church we get to give with our time our talent and right now we're going to give uh with our finances so will you bow your heads with me we're going to pray and we're just going to bring some glory to God with our giving and with our worship Lord we thank you we thank you so much that you're using just incredible stories like this one to bring glory to you. We thank you that there's people in this room, Lord, that you are transforming right now this very second. There are people in this room you are excited to free, that this Christmas will be their Christmas of freedom and forgiveness and transformation. And it's not easy, God. It's, it's, it doesn't all make sense. But, Lord, you understand it and you get it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this place for these people and for being a God who so willingly receives our busted worship. We lift our hands, our lives, just where we are. We lift them to you and we proclaim, God, you glorious, you the highest to be worshiped. We thank you for using people such as us. Please accomplish your agenda in our souls right now as we lift our voices to you and as we give with our offerings.